Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts right after this. Hey, it's Jesse Waters from Fox News Channel. Hope to see you at my Ag Night on November 2nd. It's going to be a night you will not want to miss. We're waking up to a new dawn in agriculture, a better way where farmers stop working the soil and start working with it. At Huma, our carbon-rich, humate-based products improve soil health and fertility, deliver nutrients more efficiently, and reduce crop input costs. Welcome to Humic Solutions with a Human Touch. Visit Huma.us to learn more. A portion of Los Angeles County has been placed under quarantine for the Mediterranean fruit fly following the detection of two wildflies in the Lemart Park neighborhood in the city of Los Angeles. The USDA, the Los Angeles County Agricultural Commissioner, and the California Department of Food and Agriculture are working collaboratively on this project. The quarantine area measures approximately 69 square miles, bordered on the north by Melrose Avenue, on the south by West Century Boulevard, on the west by Interstate 405, and on the east by Nevin Avenue. Avenue. A link to the quarantine map may be found on the CDFA website. Sterile male medflies are scheduled to be released airily in the area as part of the eradication effort. The release rate will be 250,000 males per square mile per week in a nine square mile area around the infestation. This will augment aerial releases of sterile medflies that occur regularly in the Los Angeles Basin as an exclusionary measure. In addition, properties within 200 meters of detections are being treated with an organic formulation of spinosad in order to remove any mated female medflies and reduce the density of the population. Finally, fruit removal will occur within 100 meters of the property with larval detections and or multiple adult detections. The quarantine will affect any growers, wholesalers, and retailers of susceptible fruit in the area, as well as local residents. Home gardeners are urged to consume homegrown produce on site and not move it from their property. However, residents living in a quarantine area may consume or process fruit on a property where they picked or disposed the fruit by double bagging and placing in a regular trash, not in green waste. The medfly is known to target more than 250 types of fruits and vegetables. Damage occurs when the female lays eggs inside the fruit. Fruit. The eggs hatch into maggots, which tunnel through the flesh of the fruit, making it unfit for consumption. Residents who believe their fruits and vegetables are infested with fruit fly larvae are encouraged to call the state's toll-free pest hotline at 1-800-491-1899. Researchers at USA's Economic Research Service estimate that the Paycheck Protection Program provided $5.8 billion to the farm sector in 2020. The PPP was a non-USDA assistance program for small businesses adversely affected by the pandemic. Total federal government payments to the farm sector in 2020 were $45.6 billion, meaning that PPP payments were 13% of total payments. The Small Business Administration administered the program, providing forgivable loans to eligible small businesses and certain other entities to allow them to cover some of their payroll costs. The loans were forgiven in full if the loan was used on eligible expenses, including at least 60% on payroll expenses. Agricultural producers in California were the largest recipients of PPP loans at $1.1 billion, followed by Washington at $285 million. California leads a nation in the value of agricultural production and has the highest hyper labor expense among states. 
Opportunities for collaboration run deep and wide, as last week's agricultural delegation from California discovered during a week in Spain. The group of Californians that traveled to Spain include Karen Ross, California Agriculture Secretary, Don Cameron, Terra Nova Ranch, and the California State Board of Food and Agriculture, Janet DeCosta with Driscoll's, Leonard Diggs with Pie Ranch and EFA SAP, Rolston State Hilaire with California State University Fresno, Garrett Patricio, Westside Produce, Emily Rooney with Agricultural Council of California, Ram Ucko with Wonderful Citrus, Christopher Valdez with Grower Shipper Association of Central California, Joshua Viers with the University of California Merced, Gabrielle Yutzi with the University of California Agriculture and Natural Resources, and Josh Eddy, California Department of Food and Agriculture State Director, International Affairs. In addition, they traveled with Carisha Cayupers, the USDA Agricultural Attaché in Madrid. The USDA Foreign Agriculture Service is an asset for all businesses wanting to expand their international business, according to CDFA. Based in Watsonville, Procurant, a cloud-based software company in the fresh food supply chain, has announced a partnership with AgTools, a provider of data analytics services designed especially for the food supply chain. AgTools serves as a global data platform, aggregating data from official government agencies and education institutions in 113 countries, including the United States, covering more than 500 specialty crops and commodities. The partnership with AgTools supports our goal to enhance innovation and value for buyers and sellers of produce on a procurement platform. By leveraging advanced analytics and insights, they can help streamline our customers' day-to-day activities around forecasting and purchase orders, according to Ray Connolly, Vice President of Strategy with Procurant. AgTools is the first third-party solution available through Procurant Connect, a unique application and services marketplace on a Procurant One platform. Procurant Connect allows users to integrate external data sources and features such as AgTools into their Procurant account. With the AgTools add-on, users create a centralized hub for assessing up-to-minute commodity data. AgTools enables access to more than 70 types of commodity-specific information, including pricing, volume statistics, weather analytics, and quality metrics. Metrics. For a limited time, Procurant customers and those with a free Procurant Connect account will have access to the new AgTools feature. With this partnership, Procurant and AgTools can bring unique color-coded alerts to buyers and sellers based on USDA standards and the phenological cycles of plants. The alerts enable customers to view potential threats to crops before they arise and to quickly see the probability of receiving orders and the expected quality. That according to Martha Montoya, CEO of AgTools. California's unemployment rate rose to 4.7% as employers added 8,700 non-farm new hires in September, according to the California Employment Development Department. The Golden State has added 3,190,000 jobs for an average monthly gain of 77,829 since April of 2020, when a current economic expansion began. As for agricultural employers, they added 800 new hires in September. The California ag industry has 5,000 more farm jobs since September of 2022, according to the EDD. California oranges will start slightly late this year. It's probably going to be about the 1st of November to the 10th for most people, and they plan on November 6th for their start date. That according to Derek Vaughn of Johnston Farms. At this point, the crop is seeing some better sizing than normal. Usually Vaughn says it's peaking on the 113s and 138s, and right now he's seen 88s and 113s and a few 72s. So it's pretty much the same volume as last year, but the sizing seems to be a bit better, he says. He also thinks there's going to be a little bit more choice fruit coming in 
into the market with the wet winter they had last year. Overall, he thinks it will lead to a strong, fancy market. He's also feeling positive about demand for the coming season. The end of the Valencia market held up pretty well, and that came to a pretty quick end, so he thinks that people are anxious to get started on California navels. That means that starting off pricing will likely be a bit better than normal. Some of the quotes in the marketplace right now are on the higher end in the range of $30 and above, and it's a number that is not likely to come off a significant amount before everyone gets started. Later in a month around Thanksgiving, Johnston Farms will also begin its mandarin crop, and that picture is very different from oranges this year. He says it will be about half the crop. It's way off. These statsumas are alternate bearing, and last year was a pretty heavy year, so this year is lighter. Those will go from right around late November to the end of January. And not surprisingly, he says demand will likely exceed supply in mandarins, meaning pricing should go up about 5% on the fruit. Join us for an unforgettable evening with Jesse Waters, co-host of Fox News at the International Agri-Center in Tulare, California. Tickets are extremely limited for this one night only experience and they will sell out. Hey, it's Jesse Waters from Fox News Channel. Hope to see you at my Ag Night on November 2nd. It's gonna be a night you will not wanna miss. Don't miss your only chance to see Jesse Waters here in the heart of California on November 2nd. Reserve your spot now at myaglife.com forward slash myagnight. A once thought to be eradicated parasitic weed, branched broomrape, has caught the attention of researchers with the University of California, Davis, who have been studying the pest to determine how to find when it occurs and how to ultimately eradicate it. Broomrape, which is currently affecting mostly processing tomatoes in California, attacks the plant at the root, sucking the life out of it, according to UC Davis Extension weed science specialist Brad Hansen, who is heading the team on the project. It's not a new weed. This was has was a problem through the 50s and 60s, and kind of through the 60s, 70s, and 80s, there was a really kind of intense eradication effort, mostly using soil fumigants, um, and it really kind of disappeared for 20 years or so. He said the resurgence was first reported in 2017, and that it seemed to be growing rapidly in the affected areas now, primarily within Yolo County, but also in some adjacent counties. Hansen said that while processing tomatoes are currently the main focus, studies they have worked closely with in other countries on the pest, like Chile, have shown that a number of other broadleaf crops could also be at risk, such as sunflower, safflower, hemp, and carrots. We have not seen it on those crops in California. I have seen it on some uh, weedy relatives, um, nightshades primarily, in so in in other crops. So it is a risk to other other cropping systems. Um, at least on paper. We haven't seen too much of it at this point. Broomrape, which produces seeds smaller than a piece of finely ground pepper, can survive in soil for decades and be carried from field to field easily in a number of ways. The weed is a state-regulated quarantine pest that requires reporting and crop destruction before harvest upon discovery and isn't covered by crop insurance. The pest is also difficult to discover, which makes studying it a challenge. Because broomrape is, is not really densely infesting our fields, it makes it hard to do research. You know, a field that has 10 broomrape in it is a disaster for a grower, but it's an impossible place to do research. So we've been working with the Chilean group. Um, they have branch broomrape, and it's much more widely spread. So so they don't, and it's not a quarantine pest there. So it's a much more you know, uh, much more easy, easily done field research uh, with the Chilean group or with the Israelis or with the, uh, in Turkey and other places in the Mediterranean basin. 
So yeah, so they have the same broom rape issue and they have a similar processing tomato industry. So what we're doing here is fairly similar. Chilean industry and the California industry have a lot of commonalities. Hansen has some advice for growers as they keep the pest in mind and hope they never encounter it. My advice with the, to the growers are is to you know be aware of this issue. We've got some literature out in terms of identification and understanding the, the problem, particularly with the field you know, the, the field worker, field uh, operator level folks, whether that's irrigators or tractor drivers and, and the uh, PCAs and the crop scouts, making sure they know what they're looking at. It's kind of a weird little plant because it, it doesn't have any chlorophyll. It's not green so, because it's totally a, a parasite. It doesn't have to make its own nutrients. It's getting them from the tomato. It's also really small stature, so it doesn't really look like a scary weed problem. So it's easy, it's easily overlooked. And frankly, even when you're looking for it, it's hard to find because it's pretty small. But so education uh, of growers and, and field personnel is something that we're really working on. Again, scouting and delineating early stage problems is the is the main you know is one really important step. But also the sanitation aspect. A lot of this is you know trying to make sure that if if you have a if a piece of equipment is in a field with broom rape or any other weed doing at least a, a cleaning soil debris and um, plant debris from those pieces of equipment is just good a good practice for reducing introduction of new problems that's good if it's a non-quarantine pest but it's critical when it's a quarantine pest or a, a not highly uh, um, present pest like branched or egyptian broom rape one of the key takeaways from the research is how vital the cleaning step is, he said. One of the main things from that research that we're finding is the cleaning step is very, very important. Uh, sanitizers are unlikely to be effective if you have a piece of equipment that's covered with dirt and, and uh, you know plant debris because those sanitizers are deactivated pretty quickly. So they have to be pretty clean to start with. He said the team is working on protocols for farmers to be proactive in preventing and controlling the spread of broom rape. Researchers at UC Davis are also working on pieces of this, Hansen explained, including a focus on cleaning farm equipment and sanitizing. So one of the ways we are hoping to reduce the risk of spread is by working with growers to clean, help develop protocols to clean farm equipment from things like tomato harvesters, transplanters, the trailers, even down to the within farm uh, equipment like tractors and you know footwear and and uh, you know cultivators and that kind of thing. There's several other uh, uh, research groups that are looking at sensors, like remote sensing and proximal sensors. So you know, could we detect a broom rape infested field with drones or with some kind of sniffers or something like that? So that's a lot of that's fairly early stage research, looking at ways to help find it while it's still a small problem. Hansen said they have found some optimism in the study through herbicide research by injecting low levels of herbicide into the irrigation system in order to attack it at the root zone, where the broom rape germinates. We've got a protocol that we feel is fairly effective, and we helped get a registration of a, a, a 24C registration of matrix herbicide uh, for use via chemigation. Matrix is already widely used in tomatoes, but not via the irrigation system. It's just used as a foliar soil applied herbicide. 
there's a protocol that was approved last year, uh, well, in 2023 for three applications of matrix through the irrigation system. And in our research trials in a heavily infested field, we've seen an 80% or greater reduction in broom rape attachments. And I think we have some room for improvement there. So I feel like that's at least one tool, uh, one uh, very positive step that the research has helped uh, provide uh, you know, mechanisms for growers to manage or reduce the risk. Growers interested in educational materials and more information on the pest can contact the California Tomato Research Institute, which is helping to fund this study, at 530-405-9469. For My Ag Life, this is Kristen Platts. Smart growers know sustainability means managing pests at the same time they manage other priorities in their fields, which is why smart growers know Certus Biologicals. For more than 20 years, Certus Biologicals has been the world's leader when it comes to biological pesticides, delivering proven solutions that keep operations sustainable and growing. Learn more at CertusBio.com. A new study from South Dakota State University investigates farmers' viewpoints on the most influential factor behind adopting new technologies and practices, profitability. In a study, researchers highlighted eight widely adopted precision ag technologies, including auto steering and guidance, automatic section control, satellite aerial imagery, unmanned aerial vehicle and drone imagery, variable rate fertilizer application, variable rate seed application, variable rate pesticide application, and variable rate irrigation application. The most widely adopted precision ag technologies include auto steering and guidance, which fit under the geo-referencing technology category. Satellite imagery was the next most widely adopted technology, with nearly 60% of all farmers having used it. Drones and unmanned aerial vehicles fall under a similar category to satellite imagery. However, drones are much less prevalent, with an adoption rate of 26%. To further facilitate precision ag adoption, the research team noted that financial support during the first five years of adopting a new technology could be beneficial. The American Climate Corps is an interagency partnership between AmeriCorps, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and the Departments of Labor, Interior, Agriculture, and Energy. And according to AmeriCorps.gov, through partnerships, labor organizations, apprentice-ready programs, educational institutions, and other organizations, the American Climate Corps will build a base of talented, skilled, certified, and apprenticeable workers for jobs in public service or the private sector. President Joe Biden established the American Climate Corps last month, and Gary Blair, the National Association of Conservation Districts Vice President, explains how his organization will work with core participants. Our 3,000 conservation districts will be providing education, technical resources by hiring these young people to go to work or, or people that maybe have been involved. But it's developing the next generation through leadership opportunities and roles within the community, taking these young people and, and, and having them benefit for the expertise within the conservation districts and teaching them about how to deliver climate-smart, innovative solutions through the locally-led conservation delivery system. Once again, National Association of Conservation Districts Vice President Gary Blair. AmeriCorps will serve as the hub for the American Climate Corps. 
An extended 30-day comment period on the Environmental Protection Agency's draft herbicide strategy for endangered species ended on October 22nd, and farmers and other experts in agriculture took the added time to vent to the agency. In July, the EPA released the strategy framework of a plan the agency said will help compliance with the Endangered Species Act as it relates to herbicides after decades of legal battles. EPA initially granted a 60-day comment period and then extended it by 30 days to October 22nd. A group of 226 ag interest groups and businesses, both on the national and state level, submitted comments to EPA. The national groups include the likes of the Agricultural Retailers Association and the American Farm Bureau Federation. The letter states that this will not only harm the nation's rural communities, but will also negatively affect the U.S. and global consumers who rely on their ability to produce affordable and sustainable food, fuel, fiber, and other goods. They are strongly urging EPA to withdraw its complicated, harmful, and unworkable strategy. The strategy in part calls for, among other things, farmers and other landowners to implement mitigation measures depending on their geographic location and proximity to endangered species. Ag-related bills like others remain in limbo as the House GOP tries again to end a three-week speakerless void. No farm bill, no farm bill extension, no USDA spending bill, and no short-term funding ahead of a mid-November shutdown cliff, all due to no speaker and no functioning House. The GOP is now back to square one in this third week of no speaker after three failed attempts last week by hardliner Jim Jordan to win over moderates and replace ousted Kevin McCarthy. Republicans restarted the nomination process all over again and hoped to put a speaker candidate on the floor, with just four more weeks scheduled this year. But McCarthy acknowledged the GOP is in a very bad position. Foreign Affairs Chair Michael McCall on ABC's This Week agreed. My committee of war and peace, uh, it's too dangerous right now. The world's on fire. And this is so dangerous what we're doing. And most importantly, it's embarrassing uh, because it empowers and emboldens our adversaries. In the meantime, Ag Senator Chuck Grassley says the lack of farm bill threatens farmers with unrealistic support triggers. He predicted earlier at least a one-year farm bill extension will be needed, meaning no improvement to reference price triggers or any other programs last overhauled in 2018. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on the, every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.